Yeah, I mean, uh, the second Jacques Martin was hired as the uh, senior coaching consultant, I kind of said to myself, like, what are we doing? And we all know what's going to happen here. And alas, they, uh, for I have no idea what reason, allowed him to run practice and speak to the media this morning. And then they fired him promptly afterwards, which uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the firing, I mean, I like DJ. I think he's a good human being. I think that he's well past his expiration date. But he's also getting 844 goaltending and you and I have talked about how that's not a recipe for success, no matter how good of a coach you are. Yeah, it's and he, uh, one of the things, and and as you say, let's not, you know, DJ Smith is gone. We're not going to, you know, dance around on, on him today. But it is, there's a lot of things going right for this team. Claude Giroux is an example. There's there's some really good things and some really bad things. And I was a little surprised it lasted this long. Were you, did you think this might have occurred a little earlier in the year? I think I would say this. Had the Pierre Dorian fiasco not um, resulted the way it did, he likely would have been gone five weeks ago. Like, we're probably talking beginning of November. Um, that's, I would say the second week of November is probably when I thought the move should have been made because at that point the season was still salvageable. Um, but now you're kind of looking at a situation where you don't have a GM, you don't have a coach, Um and your team is where the Titanic is, which is at the bottom of the, of the Atlantic. And that's never a good place to be when you have playoff aspirations. So how do you, and we're going to get into Ranta in a minute, but how do you, because the goaltending is the first fix, right? I don't even know if it's the first fix. Honestly, their defensive play is awful. Like they have the sixth worst penalty kill in like decades. Um, and Jacques Martin is, I mean, not very good offensively, but defensively, he knows what he's doing. So we're going to see now whether it's the talent, like the roster, or the coaching, because Jacques Martin's system has proven time and time again that he gets defensive results. So the penalty kill is god-awful. The expected goals against is god-awful. It's all, like, they, they can't defend. And so we'll see about that impact. Um, I think that's probably, you need to know what the true talent of your roster is. And I do wonder if that's sort of what they're going to use Jacques Martin to suss out. Mm. And it's like, it's, as I said, I mean, you've got Stutzla, Giroux, Batherson, Kachuk. Uh, there's some talent there. And Matthew Joseph, his uh, uh, even strength goal share is, is really good. There's talent there. Do, do they, you know, they're young defensively and they have a tendency to be, I think, uh, you know, puck movers or at least, you know, talented in that way. Shabbat, obviously, uh, not with the team right now. But are, are are do they 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 rely on a lot on like Hamannick and and I I wonder if 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 they need maybe an upgrade on the defensive side or or do you think it's just structure? Oh, they need an upgrade. Um, yeah, there's no no mistaking about that. The thing that you you pointed out very correctly is that they have puck movers, right? Jacob Chikrin, Jake Sanderson. Uh, Thomas Shabbat, uh, Eric Brandstrom, Artem Zub. Uh, but none of those guys, with the exception of Jacob Chikrin, can defend worth a lick of anything right now. Um, and Thomas Shabbat, like you said, is hurt. Jake Sanderson, I think, is going to be the best of the bunch one day. But that's a very young defenseman. That's a defenseman still developing. I think Jacques Martin coming in will be very good for Jake Sanderson. So they're taking care of the development of their back end. But 
the when you have a young back end, you need insulation. And usually that comes in the form of a goaltender. And they have whatever the opposite of insulation is with their goaltending right now. It is leaking oil everywhere. It's awful. And so the young mistakes that the defensemen are making are being magnified, and that hurts their confidence. That makes them afraid to do certain things. And so while they are very good at puck moving, defensively it's not been good, and they don't have confidence in their goaltender, and uh, why would you? So they're looking for much the same kind of a bounce that the Oilers got uh, when Chris Knobloch came in. Um I, Minus I, having Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Right. <laughs> I, I just wonder, and I've already talked about maybe it should have been earlier, but I wonder, like, I know coaches can make it different initially, and let's use Knobloch as an example. Uh, they're 10-5, and five, I think, in their last 15. They had a really good run there. On the weekend, some really old habits started to, to kind of slip back in. And I've always had a theory. I, I do think that coaches can be too long at the fair. I think we saw it here with Craig McTavish in the first – decade of this century when when he's a really good coach but he was just here too long and people stopped listening what, what is is three years too much or or not enough or does it depend on the coach how long he should be in a position i think it really depends um it depends in hockey it depends across sports like you you can have uh look at a guy like bill belichick like up until this season you would if you said I think Bill Belichick's been around too long. People would have looked at you and been like, "Are you out of your mind?" And even now, it's like he doesn't have a quarterback that could like I probably throw the football as well as some of the people that the New England Patriots are carting out there right now. So I think when you look at it specifically in hockey, a guy like Rod Brindamore, he's a guy because he's a a player. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's somebody that really like connects with his players. Those types of coaches lasts a lot longer. A guy like John Cooper lasts a lot longer because you can have those kinds of conversations. When you're a hard-nosed sort of stick-to-the-woodwork, John Tortorella-type guy, and John is great with his players, but he can be hard on them, and that that message wears thin a lot quicker. And I think probably, arguably, outside of the cap, the most important thing a GM can do is recognize when the relationships between player and coach are going awry. And I'm not even sure that the Sens had, had lost that. I know that the Oilers never gave up on Jay Woodcroft. Like, you could kind of see that. Um, but I really depend. It's a coach-to-coach thing. Um, but it seems like in hockey, they get fired a lot more often than, let's say, yeah. in soccer or football. Like, Sir Alex Ferguson was the head of Manchester United for – basically my entire childhood, and it was because he retired that he isn't there anymore. Yeah, still revered. Uh, goalies are dropping like flies all over the place. No one picks up Antiranta. Were you surprised? Not remotely. I would have been surprised if he would have been picked up <laughs> because the reality is, is, yes, he brings a veteran presence and all that other stuff. If you, with your eyeballs, watched him this year, He's single-handedly tanking the Carolina Hurricane season. Their metrics very similar to the Oilers. Nice and high, really, like, solid stuff. They cannot get a save at any point in time. There was a game where they only gave up 15 shots and lost the game. Like, you should not lose a game that you only give up 15 shots in, and you take, I think it was 38. 
Like, that's crazy. He's cost them so many games. And so when you look at it, the contract is bad. I'm not even sure. I don't even, I don't think Don Waddell or Eric Tolsky signed off on that. That tells me that there was somebody up the top pulling the strings, which we know is the case in Carolina. So I think when you look at goaltending, there's some weird stuff happening in the league this year. And Auntie Ronta needs to uh, have his Jack Campbell moment and see if he can find his game in uh, in the AHL because my lord, he has been awful this year. I, I'm so interested in what you said there about goal because it does seem like, and there are eras where where everything looks stable. There's eight goalies who you can count on, and there's you know back in the old days 13 that you couldn't, but at least you knew that. This year, it just seems like there's holes that spring and and. You know, it's it's a little bit same old, same old, and yet, uh, like in Toronto, they're they're winning like mad, and they've had different goaltenders. And is that is that really when you look at that? Is that a reflection of structure? When when even when goalies are going down and the save percentage is still good and the goaltenders are playing well, and and in Carolina, which has great structure, if you can't play there, you can't play anywhere. I think that's that last sentence, you hit the nail right on the head. If you can't play for Rod Brindamore and his structure, I'm not sure you can play goalie anymore because by my eyes and model, Carolina is the best defensively structured team in the league. Uh, how they defend, how they take care of the puck, the chances that they give up and the quality of them, like they, if you could put a league average goaltender in that cage and they'd be first in the metro going away now if you got them somebody that was actually good an ottinger a demko a vasilevsky a soros it would be curtains for pretty much everybody else because that's how good the structure is i think when you look at it in toronto there's a lot of stuff happening nobody really even knows what's going on joseph wool was really really good and Toronto's defensive structure has been good under Sheldon Keefe especially the last few years with all the defensive injuries they've had this season it has not been as good but it's been passable and I think if you have league average goaltending and passable defense you can get by in this league if you can score but the structure can hide a lot it just can't hide 850 it can probably hide 880 it can't hide 850, and we're seeing that in Carolina. We're seeing that in Ottawa because I don't think their Jacques Martin is going to be able to solve that no matter what. And we we saw it in Edmonton for the first month and a half of the season. Now Stuart Skinner is like an 890, and they're winning. He doesn't have to be 915. Right. He just has to be passable. Oilers have uh, trouble with the number two line. Kane is not 100%. Brown has been... Not not good. Uh, so they moved Nuge off of the top line. The top line was flying. Um, my question for you is, is, is it a crime for a team not to have somebody they can slide in from the third or fourth line to, to shore up the dry side of the line? Because I feel like that top line is so good, it's, a, it's criminal to have to break it up. Yeah, I wouldn't touch that top line right now. You, Your job as head coach, especially in Edmonton, is to ensure that Connor McDavid is scoring at the clip Connor McDavid is capable of scoring at. And whatever you need to do and whoever he needs to play with to ensure that happens, that is priority one, A, B, and C. Because if he's not playing well, your team is just not good enough to deal with the ramifications of that. 
I do think the Oilers have a solution in-house. The problem is, is he's injured, and that's Dylan Holloway. Um, I think he is that capable middle six player. Um, and the issue that you have is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are both being paid far less than they deserve. But everyone around them, the contracts that have been dished out around them, prevent the Oilers from really getting those quality players that you just mentioned that can go up and do spot duty. Like, did you need to pay Cody Cece that money? Did you need to pay Warren Fogle that money? Did you need to pay Evander Kane that money? The answer to all of that is very obviously no. You certainly didn't need to pay Jack Campbell that money. And if you take all of that money and you use it efficiently and effectively, you probably have multiple solutions in your middle six, and you probably have three good lines instead of one good line. And that's where the issue is. The issue isn't that the Oilers have two players that make a combined $20 million. It's all the crap underneath where they have inefficient contracts, like Darnell Nurse's contract. That's, I mean, let's face it. It's not a good contract. That's that money could be used in a more efficient manner. And so I think their best bet is leaving that top line alone, asking Dreisaitl to figure it out on the second line. And when Dylan Holloway comes back, that spot goes to him on, on Dreisaitl's wing because he has all of the talent and capability, and he hasn't really been given that chance. And I'd like to see him get that chance. You, you bring up so many interesting points, and we're going to have to carry this over to next week. But one of the things that I want to talk to you about is when we talk about uh, inefficient contracts, the Oilers under Ken Holland and previously against uh, under Peter Shirelli would spend so many assets to get rid of those inefficient contracts. The next GM, whoever it is, comes in. There has to be some way for this organization to get control of overpays because almost every free agent contract that they've signed since Lucic has been at, l- at least a little bit. Like Zach Hyman wasn't. But but most of them are by half a million to a million, and it's death by a thousand cuts. Nurse was different, but a lot of these are 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 too much by enough that when you add it all up, you're you're really costing yourself three players. Yeah, I look at it, and even when Zach Hyman signed his contract, I was like, oh, I don't love that contract, but he's played really well, and he is worth every penny of that contract, so that's fine. Ryan Nugent Hopkins' contract, completely fine. They don't. But what's crazy is the top end of their lineup, they don't have a single inefficient contract. But then you look at that back end, and it is inefficiency everywhere. It is awful. The only good contract on the back end, arguably, is Evan Bouchard. And then you've got the issues in goal, and that's an entirely different level of inefficiency. But you're, you're absolutely right. If you pay guys half a million to a million too much, and you do it with three or four guys, that's four million bucks. That's a pretty good hockey player you can get with that money. Yes. And then you've got the Connor Brown stuff with the with the bonus and everything. But for me, like Warren Fogel makes a million dollars too much. Evander Kane makes all the money too much. Uh, Cody Cece makes too much. Donnell Nurse probably makes two and a half million dollars too much. Like all of that is a huge issue. And it's it costs them the ability to have a solid middle six yeah amen okay i gotta go uh next week i've got three or four things that i didn't get to that i want want to uh, talk to you about rachel thank you so 